Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself. And I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Today, we're excited to welcome an an addict or former addict to our podcast and talk through a story of healing and what has changed in Gary's life. So Gary, welcome to the podcast. We also are privileged to have Christy, Gary's wife, and we're hoping to just hear about your story. And Gary, you want to kick it off? Tell us a little bit about your your background and growing up and all of that. Sure. Uh, thanks for having us on, Kevin. Full name is Gary Plasmeyer. I'm 45 years old. I've been married for almost 20 years to a very lovely woman by the name of Christy. Uh, <laughs> I think she's on listening, so let me try to get some brownie points there. Uh, we have two kids, 17 and 13 years old. We live here in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Growing up, I was one of seven kids growing up. I was born and raised in St. Louis and a very hectic household, you know, with seven kids. You know, mom stayed home from work, took care of us, and uh, dad was out providing for everybody. So uh, about the age of 10, we moved to Illinois, where I went to high school there. That's where I met my wife, Christy. We used to work for the Texas Roadhouse, and uh, t- things just kind of progressed from there. And then we moved to Green Bay with the Texas Roadhouse, actually. We're there for three years. And uh, finally wound up in Milwaukee in 06, 07-ish, I believe. And we've been here ever since. Okay. So you guys met at the Texas Roadhouse? Yeah, we were employees. I was a server and uh, she was a hostess. And like I said, in June of this year, it'll be 20 years we've been married. Okay, cool. Christy, uh, where do you come in? It sounds like we know where you met, but can you tell us a little bit more about your background? Sure. I grew up in Illinois, central Illinois, actually about 45 minutes north of where I met Gary. I moved to the area that he was in for college. Um, I had gone to U of I for a year and then transferred to Millican University in Decatur as a sophomore. I started working at Texas Roadhouse when I was about 18, I think, and um, worked all through college and met Gary, quickly got engaged, didn't get married until I was done with college, but so it was a long engagement. But, but yeah, like he said, we'll be married twenty years in June, um, and then we moved to to Green Bay with the Roadhouse, and then to Milwaukee with the Roadhouse, and has since parted ways with the Roadhouse and do our own thing. Yep. Okay. When did addiction come into our? I think you said you were an alcoholic, Gary. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Alcohol. Yep. So when did that start in your life? I started in your relationship drinking when I was 14. My older brothers, I had older brothers. So it was just very socially acceptable, I guess, in our family, our cousins. And you know, my mom and dad never drank, which is crazy. My older brothers definitely did. And I vividly <laughs> remember the first time they gave they uh, bought me beer. It was a six-pack of Meisterbrow when I was 14 years old. And they thought it'd be fun to watch me drink it all. So I was hung over for two days and I just, Whoa. you know, obviously I wasn't 
drinking all the time at that point. I do remember that specific occasion, though, that Steve and Tim, those are my brothers, Steve and Tim were having a little fun with me. I think that's the first time I've heard something that young, (laughs) that much. Yeah. My parents weren't too happy. (laughs) My dad was pissed. (laughs) Understandable. So, you weren't necessarily addicted to alcohol at that point. No. I mean, I remember high school, though. I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty constant in high school. And then once I got out of high school, pretty much went into the restaurant industry. And the restaurant industry is all about how many hours you can work. And then you get done at late and you go drink. So I think that's Mm -hmm. where it accelerated. Okay. So do you think there's anything about your personality or childhood that was a catalyst for you being an addict? Again, you know, I just growing up with my older brothers, it was always prevalent. It was always around. Very big family outside of my family. You know, I would call it OCD. I don't know, Christy, what you would think. I think I, you know, I definitely migrate more towards an OCD type of mindset. And once I grab onto something, I want to do it. I want to do it well. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. makes any sense. So, is there any anxieties related to that, that were turning to the alcohol or what, you know, getting rid of pain or anything like that was a thing for you? Yeah. I mean, I've always had anxiety. It's been in our family. There's been mental health issues as well in the family. So, it was definitely a way to get away from the day-to-days. All right, that makes sense. So, Christy, um, you were in the restaurant industry too. So, and Jamie, go ahead and jump in on, on this uh, any way you want. Why were you drinking too, or what was the difference between you and Gary? Well, addiction standpoint. I think my time when I wasn't working, my time was at school. I didn't, I couldn't. I, I've always been a driven person and want to do something well as well. So, when I, at school, I, you know, wanted to be the best. I wanted to have the best grades. I wanted to do something and graduate. I, I really didn't enjoy college, so I wanted to get it over with as soon as I could. I was pretty much going to school all the time. And then when I wasn't at school, I was working as much as I could. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would go out. We'd have parties. There'd be some parties on the weekends. It wasn't every night or by any means for me because I still lived separately and was on campus and stuff. Yeah, sure. I would drink when we would go to parties and things, but it wasn't an everyday thing for me. I think it was a normal, whatever you do in college kind of thing. Not necessarily the restaurant environment yet because I wasn't able to do that. I didn't have the time to do that. Got it. All right. So let's turn the page to, you know, you guys a little bit, but then what, you know, how did this affect you? How did it affect your relationship and your business and, and all of that? I mean, business, I guess it's, you know, for a while, it's like, you know, nobody really realizes that, you you know, you're addicted or any of that, right? And then, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, w- I started having, you know, open containers in the truck and, uh, you know, my anxiety was going, you know, my, I think what probably propelled it the most at the end there is when, when uh, my mom died and I never really adjusted to that. And then my uncle died right after that. And then it was just a way to reduce the anxiety, which it doesn't reduce the anxiety, by the way. It just makes it worse <laughs> the next day. It numbs yeah. it for a little bit and it comes back stronger. Yeah, I always was around for the kids and the family. I still wasn't as engaged like I should have been. You know, we were Christian. We go to church every Sunday. When I was drinking, I was not into going to church. 
you know, probably because, you know, I was drinking the night before or something, who knows. I wasn't as engaging. Christy pointed this out the other day. I wasn't as engaging with people. I kind of kept to myself. I had more of a negative attitude in general, I think, I feel. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. If we were out in any sort of social setting, now he's he's the one to ask the questions. He's the one to start the conversations with people, whether he knows them or not, keeping the conversation going and just, yeah, really engaging. And when he was drinking, it wasn't like that at all. It was just like, I felt like, okay, he's ready to go two seconds after we got there because he's, you know, looking at his phone or doing whatever, not participating in whatever setting we were in. Christy and Gary, I I really hear what you're saying here and feel like it's a moment. I just need a moment. Like I'm shaking my head with you and, and just like Kevin was voted shyest in his class and I didn't know how the addiction, you know, was going to affect our lives when we first got married. And I didn't, I didn't know anything about addiction. And so the fact that he was, you know, sleeping behind the couch at family gatherings, like I'm more of a people person. I'm kind of like, where's Kevin? And, you know, he was hiding in the basement after, I mean, just like, it just felt like I could never find him. (laughs) Yes. And now I don't, I study personalities and I love to think about all the different types of personalities, but the introvert and extrovert thing, I think I felt it so much more because of the addiction, not because he actually needs to regroup, you know, by being alone, because it's like a whole different energy, a whole different person. And Mm -hmm. so I really Mm -hmm. appreciate you guys bringing that out. At the time, I mean, I didn't know the extent of the addiction, I guess. I would have wine occasionally, he would drink whatever beer, whatever he was drinking, you know, a few times a week. And then we'd have dinner with neighbors and whatever. And that was that part was fine. But even that he would start tuning out and they were our our very best friends. Like we were super close to them. But it'd get to a point where he would he would just stop engaging. So yeah, it's completely different. It's refreshing and awesome. And he he is a new just a totally different person. Yeah, I, I totally also can enter into what you're saying, Gary, obviously, as Jamie has already demonstrated. But one thing I've noticed is just how easy it is for me to make friends today. I guess it's not that I didn't have friends, but it was only a few very close friends. And that's probably partially because I am an introvert. But after the addiction, it's like, I can make a friend with anyone, <laughs> you know, because you're, you're there, you're available. I think there's like an energy difference that people feel like the depth of who you are and what you're bringing to a conversation and that engagement, that energy engagement. I don't know how to define it, but it's just completely well, different. Well, and Kevin, wouldn't it really speak a little bit? I know we've talked a lot about shame and the impact that that had. Would that kind of play a part? It did for me. I, Gary, I don't know if that was, I mean, it sounds like, I guess, how did shame enter into well, yeah, I mean, you felt bad, you felt like, you know, you were letting people down, you felt like you were letting yourself down, you felt like all you could do is, you know, what you're doing and drinking. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with, you know, because when you're an addict, you didn't want to talk about anything. You didn't want to, you know, it's like, who knows where a conversation would lead to and, you know, yeah. it's yep. if, you know, you were truthful about something or, you know, something was supposed to get done, you didn't get done and you made something up. <laughs> And then, you know, it's like, oh, no. Well, so slowly over time, you know, you just, I guess, just did you and didn't worry about anybody around you. It was very selfish, yeah. obviously. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I, I've noticed that myself, too, even 
with my own mindset as I investigated the differences. Absolutely want to underscore what Gary said about you don't know where a conversation is going to go. So if you're trying to make sure that you're viewed as okay, as an okay person, despite your addiction or whatever's going on in your mind, you kind of want to control the conversation. Stay away from those subjects that might be bringing up the addiction or, or exposing what's going on with you and stay in the safe zone, so to speak. So yeah, totally, totally get that. So Gary, when you, you talked a little bit earlier about leading up to that choice you made going forward, what was the change that you made and the commitment that you made that changed everything? Well, I mean, it was a Tuesday. It was April 17th. <laughs> it was a Tuesday. I have an app that tracks everything for me. And I was drinking in the middle of the day and Christy came home and I was on the couch in the basement like a schlub, you know, and I think there were soccer practice and dentist appointments and <laughs> obviously she wasn't too happy. Um, Christy, you remember that day, right? Yes, I remember that day. Yes, there were dentist appointments. Yeah, it was, he tried to, you know, he got up or whatever. He was hanging out in the basement and I actually didn't realize that there was a bottle of wine or anything. And then he was going to take the kids, I think, to practice or Ronan to practice or something. He left with the kids and I went downstairs and there was an empty bottle and I called him and said, you have to bring them back. And he was, he had already turned around because he realized it. He's like, I, I have to make a change. I was extremely upset, super, super upset that he had drank that and had our kids. I'm pretty sure I didn't talk to him for a long time. I don't remember how long, but I about think it two was, weeks. It yeah, was I was gonna say, weeks. I think it was a couple of weeks. It was a couple <laughs> of weeks. Like It was a long time. I mean, it was, a, I was angry. I had so much, I was angry, very yeah. angry. I was pissed at myself too at the Christie's points. Like, man, what am I doing? And I tried to quit. It was a couple times, not a couple times. It took about three years to get to that point. I feel like just knowing I had to make a change, trying to make changes, never really could make changes, you know. And and then that day, all that went down. And then obviously she was pissed, and I wasn't around. The, you know, just I didn't want to be around the kids. Like, man, I gotta, I gotta do something. So uh, I slept in the in the basement that day that night at least. And the next day I woke up and that, you know, God gave me the gift to have the desire just gone. It's kind of weird, surreal, waking up and knowing that the desire was gone. I just called a pastor at church. His name is Chad. He's the principal now over at Hales Quarters Lutheran. And uh, he walked me through some stuff. He said, call me whenever I needed. And I basically went around the city of Milwaukee looking for AA classes. And it's kind of sad how many AA classes there are. And it's crazy. They're everywhere. I mean, there was one at Hales Corners Lutheran on Tuesdays. There's one every day, every hour. If you need to go somewhere, you can probably find an AA class. So I wound up at one in West Dallas and just fish out of water, not knowing what the hell was going on. And, you know, it's the whole routine of, you know, I'm an alcoholic, all that stuff. I had no idea what was going on. Hungover, just felt like an idiot. So that's how I spent those two weeks though. I went to the to our business, which is a restaurant at the time. And I told the employees, it's like, I need, I need to take time off. I just have to, or everything's gonna fail. And they're like, All right, man, go ahead, go do what you gotta do, which is super cool. And uh yeah, two weeks running around Milwaukee, hitting AA classes and things started to improve from there. Yeah, so let's dig into this a little bit because this is what I find is so cool. And we've got all this these triggers in our mind that are saying, hey, you need this, you need this, and this is going to make you feel good, and this is going to numb this. But something happened where you 
drove with your kids and really put them in a dangerous situation. And you, I'm sure Christy played a part. <laughs> it sounded it's very similar to most of us. Like when we have a relationship, someone's going to say, hey, enough of this um, at some point. But also like that scared you, right? Like there was something that's that made a change for you where you're like, I'm done. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Well, it was... I, I realized at that point in time that if I didn't change, everything would be gone because the business yeah. wasn't working. You know, family was pissed. The kids, I mean, Maddie probably, uh, our daughter was 13 at the time. So she probably had a little bit of understanding going on. Our son, he probably mm-hmm. was just like, oh man, where's dad? Let's, you know what I mean? Uh, everything, you know, you could lose it all. A lot of people don't recover from that point and wind up losing everything. So just thankful that it never got to that point. Yeah, this is. So then going forward, you said you woke up that next day mm-hmm. hungover, but yet without, how did you know there was a difference there? Was there a, was there a desperation you had in prayer that you didn't before? Or what, what happened between when that drive happened and you said when you woke up without that desire? It was, I mean, I, don't, I remember eating a whole Domino's pizza that night by myself. I don't know why that sticks out in my mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said some prayers, you know, and God gave me the ability and, and I just, yeah. I just went with it. I, and you know, I knew, I knew the next day, I knew the next day that if I had another drink of alcohol, I, I can't, I mean, I'm, I'm this way with water or soda. If I, if I have one, I have 10, you know, I don't <laughs> sip, I gulp. And I've always been that way. So it's like, look, don't even tempt, why tempt fate? You know, people are like, oh, you want an NA beer or no, I don't even, I don't even care. I don't want any of it. Just whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was, yeah, it, it wasn't me. Yeah. Again, we're, again, we're Christians. We're very faith-based and it, there's a, something bigger going on that day than just yes. me saying, uh, Hey, I need to stop. Yeah. I, I think there's also something cool here when we even just say to ourselves, this isn't me. Maybe I picked this up along the way, but this isn't the true me. Right. This is there's something more for me and in me than this. Right. And I yeah. was, you know, quote unquote successful. I mean, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, they'll ask me, you know, how you want to be here. It's like, no, I'm not drinking. And then I tell them and they're like, really? Man, like, I would have never known. You know, <laughs> so very high functioning. I just, just couldn't get over that, that hump and, you know, that hump of, I don't know clarity i guess more than anything yeah exactly so all right let's let's go to the end here of of the story though let's talk a little bit about i know there's a lot going on in your life now what has changed what we've heard a little bit about it but how has this impacted your your business as well as your relationship yeah so first and foremost i mean obviously you know and i let christy talk to the relationship thing a little bit i mean that's what i it went in a sequence. It was like, all right, you got to get right with God, which he gave me that ability with people around me. And then you got to get right with Christy and the kids and then get right with yourself and your health. And then you can get right with your businesses. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure you saw a pretty steep improvement from when I stopped drinking to about like a month later, I'm guessing. Are you talking to me? Yes, you. Yes. Yes. I didn't I didn't know Kevin back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think what you said earlier about the the focus and the clarity, that was a the biggest factor in addition to faith and 
being present at, at church and actually active and engaging in that aspect of life in addition to that was the focus. And I can't, I mean, your relationship with me and the kids improved because your relationship with God improved and Mm -hmm. that allowed everything else, everything else to happen. So yeah, I mean, we are yeah very faith oriented, but I think it's, it's cool though for the kids to see, because I mean, Maddie was, Maddie was aware of what was going on. Ronan wasn't, he was too young, but I mean, now he is. And I mean, I have wine on a regular basis. So I have the, I would never think, okay, I am going to have this one. I'm going to have the whole thing. I have to finish the whole thing. It was a, I have a glass of wine and that's it. So they see that aspect in me. They've seen what, what you went through and they both are not at all. I mean, Maddie's getting to that point where she could be interested in it. She's a 17 year old. There's plenty of kids that, probably do but she's not at all interested and one of the factors is she said she saw what you went through and Hmm. she's not interested and ronan's 13 so he doesn't get it you know he's just not but i think no it's not a great thing to live through but if your your kids can learn something from it you can help people learn from it and and then your aspect of actually helping other people get through their addiction because Mm -hmm. you know what they've went through you can empathize with them where people that haven't can't so your ability to do that is if something had to come out of it that's something great yeah that's fair so yeah so i took the time off from the restaurant and then you know i got into the church i did some AA stuff i didn't stick in the AA very long i mean AA might work for some people didn't work for me it's still the 1930s you know there's been no updating to that which I think there's a huge opportunity in that, by the way. Somebody grabbing a hold of some of that stuff and changing it around a little bit. I mean, man. The one thing it did do, though, is made me realize that all the people who really, truly lost a lot and continually struggled daily uh, going to those classes, I, I think that was one of the big things there. One thing I think that's important with shame is when we admit something to someone else. So it probably played a role mm-hmm. with you in that way. It's just not only your pastor and... Christy and your family, but now, I don't know, people our age, you know, when we, when we have to say it to them, it's like we have to process some of that shame and get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of wear it as a badge. You know, at, at first it told everybody and you'd be amazed how many people gravitated towards it though. You know, yeah. you think it's a negative? <laughs> it's really yeah. not, man. Because then they start asking, you know, they start asking like, man, how'd you do it? And they're like, Hey, I got a friend. By the way, I got a friend or I got this or I got that, you know, and there's been countless people that have crossed paths with me and uh, at one point or another and wanted to have a conversation on on what what I did and how I did it, you know. So so that and then, like I said, worked on the relationship thing and, you know, I was, she started talking to me slowly, <laughs> which was a good thing. And then again, the kids. That's kind of cool about Maddie. I never really realized that. Never really asked her about it, why she didn't or why she doesn't. I'm sure she'd be forthcoming with you. Yeah, she's very blunt. And yeah, she she saw it firsthand. So That's awesome. Well, super cool. I mean, got that out of it. And then uh, after we worked on the family, I worked on myself, lost 40 pounds, uh, learned how to meditate. You know, I did a lot of positive things for myself because the anxiety on top of it, you know, is something that doesn't go away. Like one day you can stop drinking. The anxiety is something you really got to work on. I'm not saying you don't have to work on not drinking. At the same time, it's, you know, you could remove yourself from alcohol, whereas anxiety Mm -hmm. is just in you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
And then the craziest things started happening. My mind started clearing up. I started having focus. I realized that the restaurant wasn't failing. There are a lot of things that went into the restaurant not working. Road construction. I mean, it was just crazy. Uh, and I stopped saying, why me? And started figuring out, well, what can we do? So two things came out of it. You know, we have Mama Bev's Bakery, which is a bakery manufacturer that two years in, I mean, last year we were up 250%. And this year we're, we're going to be a seven-figure company, you know, 25 months into wow. it, less than four years after I started drinking, you know, and it's just surrounded by great people, great product. You know, mom is, was faith-based and she's Mama Bev, right? So, and then we have a technology that we developed too that, I was trying to figure out how to deliver our food better. And then I started working on this something where you could not only deliver food hot, at the same time, it would keep it crispy. And we're three mm-hmm. years in to this with a couple patents that uh, we're working with the company, Georgia Pacific, huge company. And we're about ready to uh, start introducing some commercialized products. Basically, what it does, if you were to order food from McDonald's or Culver's and a third-party delivery company would pick it up and deliver it to you. During that delivery process, the fries are going to show up to your door. They're still going to be hot. They're still going to be crispy. Uh-huh. The burgers, it's crazy. I don't even know how to explain no, hold, it. Hold on though, Gary, because this just happened. Like, okay, there's a huge leap here. Yeah. So there, the business was failing yep. during your addiction. Is that correct? What I'm hearing? Yes. Everything was and failing. And suddenly that business went away. You were able to figure out what was going on plus you started other things with now the bunch of free space you've got in your head is that am i hearing things right correct it was more of realizing that it was failing instead of saying man it's failing why us blah 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 pointing the finger oh man well what what did we do wrong and what do we have in front of us that might help us succeed yeah that's what we did i mean and now you're changing the now with all of that free space in the real Gary inside, you're changing a huge part of our our life today, which is receiving goods on delivery. Yeah. I mean, it's literally some game-changing technology. It, every time we show it, it's crazy. And the butter cakes are awesome too. I mean, a little different. Kind of crazy they both came out of one thing. Yeah, it was literally drinking, kind of succeeding, sort of succeeding, no drinking, everything's exploding, you know, and I'm not a very patient person. uh, Neither is Christy. It feels like it's been a long time. It hasn't even been four years, really. You know, I've I've saved over $15,000, probably more. I estimate about $11 a day I was spending on alcohol. The cooler part though is almost $5,500 of my life I've gotten back since I stopped drinking, (laughs) which is working 65 hours a week for a full year. And you can put that into faith, family, and work. Yeah. This is awesome. (laughs) I'm so excited. Uh, (laughs) This is exactly what we want to share with people is what can happen. You know, we really want to encourage people to get to that moment of making that commitment. And I remember myself sitting there and Jamie's basically saying, and we went through this recently in some of our podcast episodes, but I'm making that decision. Do I want to leave? Do I want to just live in a hole? Or do I want to be here with... Mm -hmm however many kids I had at the time, four or five. Uh, We have six boys, by the way. You know, do I want to lose everything or, and you have to make that choice. You have six kids? Yeah, we have six boys. Mm, Six boys. Wow. Yeah. Got a basketball (laughs) team plus a sub. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's really a no brainer. I mean, 
this is there's nothing here that's a choice but for some reason uh in the moment it's like you know it's awesome when it's like you where it's so clear and you're done but um we just want to really encourage people that are struggling with that choice to be like come on you got <laughs> you got the real you or like yeah. 10% of you which one do you want right um well, like I said before, though, it took a couple of years. I mean, I tried a couple of times, you know, and it just Me too. didn't work. Years. Right. And years then, I tried. I thought I taught my, I, I told people that, yeah, I'm done. I told Jamie I'm done. I don't need this. This isn't me, whatever. But I didn't really make that commitment, didn't really make that change. And I think just like for you, what you've described, it came down to me asking the right questions and really, really wanting help. Right. Christy, you were trying to jump in. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like you said, it is a no brainer. It should be a no brainer, right. To like live your life instead of living in a hole essentially. But if people haven't decided that you, you, they haven't fully committed to that. Like you said, it's not going to work. Gary has tried to help a number of people. And the fact is if, if they don't want to help themselves, there's nothing he can do for them. They have to, they have to want it. There has to be something for them. It's like, you know, love yourself before you love somebody else. They have to realize that. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I I was just going to say, I did help some people, you know, because I was very open about it. So people were coming to me and I learned pretty quickly that if, you know, I could waste a lot of time unless somebody was really, you know, serious about it. And I'm, I'm good with people. Like, look, you know what? It took me three years. So you're going to go through some ups and downs before it's gone. So that gives them a little bit of hope. At the same time, I'm able to kind of identify that now. And uh, I'll still have conversations with people. Nine out of 10, though, it's, hey, I got somebody who wants to talk to you. And then I never hear from anybody, you know. So there's a couple success stories in there, though. Scott yeah. Lewinsky, this guy that we know if there's somebody else, he, w- he was definitely one of them. And mm-hmm. I, it was crazy because he was our kid's football coach. And a year later, I got hooked up with him because he's struggling with alcohol. It's like, man, never would have known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just really, I don't think you guys can see all the nodding that Kevin and I have been doing, like as you've been <laughs> talking and everything that you're saying, just, I echo what Kevin is saying, you know, this is an awesome story to be able to share with others because I think that in order, you know, when you're at that moment where you're a couple years into thinking that you want to stop or like trying to stop, you know, I think you get to that point where you think start to feel like, well, everybody just doesn't overcome addiction. You know, it's just not something you can even do. And to realize that it can be and that you're, you know, where you're meant to be is on the other side of that commitment is really speaking to what we just want to help other people believe. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it, right? It's always good to hear that people can go through it and come out on the other side, you know, so we feel very fortunate. We do. The pastor's his name is, you know, the guy who helps is Chad. He, he gets a lot of this. And I had lunch with him three or four weeks ago. And he was just, not three or four weeks, three or four months ago. And he was kind of looking at me and shaking his head. He's got this grin on his face. I was like, what the, what the hell, dude? I'm like, what? He goes, man, <laughs> stories usually don't end up this way, bro. I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> We're just going. We're just doing. And, you know, yeah. it's not us. It's just having the faith to keep pushing. Yeah, it's like accepting that grace that's always been there. Right. That that we just turned away before. And I, I really want to close with just thankfulness for you guys coming on here. And we're, we're hoping that other couples 
you know, get benefit from this. And we don't know what part of it, but hopefully the hope we're offering, the fact that we've been able to move it beyond it as a couple. I just want to point out something that you guys said and highlight it. And that is that loving ourselves first, Christy, you said this, and that is so powerful. It's like addiction really is is almost like some sort of self-hate to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like we don't appreciate ourselves enough. And when we choose to love, love is just such a powerful thing, whether it's towards someone else or to ourselves. And one thing I think that a lot of Christians, we're, we're Christians as well, I don't think that the Bible really says this, but we, we're thinking, we have this thought that, well, I shouldn't love myself. I, I need to love God and you know, people around me, but I, I shouldn't love myself. And I don't know where that comes from because it's not really there. You know, obviously there's this idea of not loving our desires, but we do need to appreciate ourselves. We do need to put our own oxygen, oxygen mask on first, like Jamie would say, love ourselves first so that we have that ability to love someone else. We have a, a post-it note on our kitchen cabinet, one of our kitchen cabinet doors that says, whoever's reading this, you are love, you matter, you have a purpose. And mm-hmm. I mean, there, like Gary said, there's some mental mental health issues and I can't pretend to understand because I've never been, I thankfully haven't had those issues, but there are some and, and they're real. And if you don't realize that you do matter, you, you are loved, it can be scary, really, really scary. So yes. everybody needs to just try to keep that in mind. Yeah, we have to accept the love that God is giving us and that we're receiving as Christians through Jesus. And if we're not accepting that, we're not getting all the benefits that come with it. We're not really applying it to us or something. I don't, I don't understand it all either, but... Um, just want to highlight that for the listener that if that's something that you need to work on, do it and appreciate yourself and appreciate what God has put in you. And uh, that can lead to a big change. Yeah, that's a big thing at the AAA. You have to focus on yourself. You're not going to help anybody if you don't know, if you can't take care of yourself first. Yeah. And you just keep going. Yes, exactly. So, all right. Well, thank you very much to both of you. This has been an awesome conversation. Yeah, I feel like we're going to visit Milwaukee and meet you someday soon and get to know you a little bit better. But I appreciate you coming on the podcast and really uh, appreciate your story. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck with everything. Appreciate you guys having us. And if you need any more contacts or leads to some more people, you know, and similar, don't feel free to reach out and uh, we, we'd be happy to connect. We'll do that. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you for tuning in. And to stay in touch, email us at info at businessaddictspodcast.com.